podcast, The Final Frontier. These are the conversations of the friendship Matt Myra and Andrew Secunda. Their continuing mission. To seek out old adventures with contrived civilizations. To boldly watch episodes that one of them has watched before. Hey everyone, welcome to Star Trek The Next Conversation, the world's number one podcast for rewatching Star Trek that is not hosted by people on Star Trek. I'm Matt. I'm Andy. <laughs> that's probably very inaccurate also. <laughs> no, not that you're not <laughs> yeah, Andy. Yeah, that's the most complimentary thing you've ever said about us at the top of the <laughs> I podcast. I know, that's also probably wildly <laughs> inaccurate. Uh, but I know what was in your head. <laughs> thanks, pal. <laughs> so... Andy, yeah, cause and effect, season five, episode eighteen. Yeah, I suppose I should answer the question. Everyone is Matt, would you have them watch this episode? Of course. There you go. You woke go. up from a nap. Uh, just so my timing so close. was so off it was just the hair <laughs> i didn't know i had seen those clips many times obviously with all, with you being my co-host yeah and him it being fraser on a star trek thing but uh but wow is that uh is that a shocker at the end <laughs> um i didn't know shocker in what sense like i didn't know it was coming that fraser was uh, gonna that was this was the episode that he was gonna appear in it's truly exciting. It's probably the most exciting <laughs> thing to happen in the franchise's history. It would have been really funny if he went all Frasier in the, uh, just like, why didn't someone tell me that we were supposed to just like start what freaking out in the background? What I like is that there's so much crossover between the two shows. Um, yeah. Cheers, Frasier, and Star Trek. But I just boil it down to the fact that they literally were, they just shared the lot. So it was easy yeah. for the cat for the actors to go swing over and do the other shows. So I Paramount. mean that one of those. I gotta figure out when my where my terrible sitcom was. What uh, what stage it was on? What stage it was on? You sure it's not on a plaque outside that stage? I mean, I'm sure it <laughs> Love is. Love Inc. Oh yeah, let me go check that out. I'm sure it's on that. <laughs> They've raised that one to the rafters. Cheers. <laughs> Razor. Love Inc. <laughs> do you do, what was do you know what stage it was on? Yours was on? I mean uh, the Star Trek Star was, Trek on? was Not on Love Inc. They had stage nine and stage eight. Hmm. Stage nine. Let me see. I can tell you by you where it is on stage the nine. on the lot. It's way too big. Also, wasn't Star Trek happening while you were there? Um, for those wondering, Andy uh, created no, a show on no UK, way uh, that what would have been happening there? Voyager. Oh, they did. All, they did all of them on stage nine. Yeah. Huh? Now Enterprise. Think, no, that would have been well before that. What year was Love Inc? 2006, seven? Oh, so it was right after Enterprise ended. Yeah. So there was no Star Trek happening while you were there. Yeah. 
Wow. Um. Anyway, can't no, tell everybody off. Andy created I a show. Have, I would have jaunted over if I shot known. on Paramount, and uh, he's now wondering what stage he was on. Do you have uh, a call sheet somewhere in your email? <laughs> <laughs> no, I can tell you. I know where it was locationally. It was stage nineteen, I believe. Stage nineteen or twenty. Uh, and that's yeah that's stage nine and eight ironically were where was across from where our writers offices were but no i was not uh, uh it's not on the same one well that being said i'm glad you finally saw this episode it's a classic it's one of those uh episodes i go see this is why star trek is better than other shows that aren't star trek yeah. You get to have time loops. Um, so good. So that being said, Andy, we should probably yeah. waltz on over to the Admirals. How do they get into the Admirals Club, Matt? Well, they just head over to uh, Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star review, send it to us, or we'll see it, and then you could be in. And if you're uh, in another region or country, uh, sometimes the iTunes uh, reviews don't come up for me. So uh, send me an image of it, and uh, and you may be verbally admitted, if not actually admitted, which everyone is just by leaving the review. The first one is from Mojo18. Did I read this last week? I don't They're know. They're great. Me. I didn't read that. That doesn't sound familiar, does it? I mean, other than Tony the Tiger, no. Yeah. Um... So it says, uh, guys, listen, you're not going to get a better thrown together, unprepared, unscripted podcast about Star Trek TNG than this one with two scoops of Matt and Andy packed into each episode, making them magically delicious. <laughs> You'll go cuckoo for Andy's theories and, to th and think to yourself, I know them from something big. <laughs> with, guest stars, <laughs> with guest stars like Maurice Hurley, you get uh, the snap. With Frank Sinatra, come on down, you get the crackle. And with Ask Freaks, you get the pop. So follow your nose. It's always it always knows where to go to get the podcast that's Henry tested and Mary Myra approved. Wow, that was that is the most serial references I've ever heard in one thing, and yeah. a, a, a hardcore listener. So thank you and welcome. Really nice, to the uh, nice layering. And by yeah. the way, I've been really fixated on having some some sugary cereal this morning. I've been sort of holding off for a couple of days because I've been attacking myself so much with food. Since well, this, uh, nonsense started. You know, if you need some cinnamon toast crunch, come on over. Yeah. Um, oh, and speaking of ask Frakes, uh, oh, I'm sorry, I shouldn't put you on the spot. Do you? And he's putting uh, me on the spot, telling me to ask Frakes. But huh? the reality of it is, I owe Frakes a. Oh, by the way, update from Frakes from yeah. two weeks ago, three weeks ago. Yeah. He. He's not sure who Khaki Pants Guy is. Uh -huh. He thinks it might oh, be... Oh, right. Oh, yeah, yeah. He thinks it might be James Conway, who's one of the uh, in-house Trek directors. But he's not 100% <laughs> sure. It was one of the directors. That's, that's hilarious. That's 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 his best was, guess. Was the director not willing to get into a full Star Trek <laughs> outfit? Well, obviously he does. I mean, he's in the outfit... 
I'm doing that's, pre-production. I can't uh, just uh, just shut and shoot me in this. No one will notice. <laughs> so there you go. That's a little Frakes update. That's nice. Well, uh, uh, we don't have to talk to him for this one next week, but uh, I just love the pieces out of this one. So um, if it if it happens, it happens. Our next one is fun podcast from a listener two four eight seven. Went to iTunes, left a five-star review, and joined the Admirals Club. <laughs> I like that one, too. You sure did, buddy. That was good. That was nice and short. Very sweet. You're in. And that's that's uh, it for the Admirals Club. Was that our Admirals Club entrance? And that was the Admirals Club. All right, Andy, let's head over to the president. Oh, here we are. It's the President's Circle. How do you get in? Well, you head over to patreon.com forward slash Star Trek TNC. And uh, wait, or is it STTNC? Andy, uh, I STTNC pod at gmail.com. That's our email Sorry, address, should... but I'm asking what our Patreon oh. is. Oh, sorry. Um, I was a little bit uh, distracted myself. Um, <laughs> what is it? <laughs> patreon.com slash Star Trek TNC. Right? Yes. Yes. Well, anyway, if you want more podcasts of unprepared <laughs> people who are almost half paying attention to what they're doing, head over there, join, and uh, you could get up to four extra podcasts a month, all while we're in quarantine. Andy and I got nothing better to do than to do eight podcasts a month. So if you want the full experience, head over to patreon.com forward slash Star Trek TNC and uh, become a supporter of the show. Enter the president's circle, and you might be selected. So those presidents have the opportunity to leave us messages, and those messages are selected for the Christopher Pike Medal of Valor. Andy, who's winning a medal this week? Let me tell you, buddy, our uh, our sole uh, winner this week is uh, Lieutenant Raymond, who writes us, I think the way, this is in regards to the outcast, we have a lot of, uh, a lot of hails this week on the outcast. Um, we which we requested a lot of perspectives and uh, and um, you know from various different sources so uh, Lieutenant Raymond says I think the way Soren talked after the therapy was meant to be in reference to when the USA used lobotomies in the 40s and 50s as a way to treat homosexuality <laughs> or Kennedy's in, in quotes uh, and other quote problematic behavior like being a woman with opinions <laughs> leaving the uh uh, people with altered personalities and disabilities. This is uh, I'm, this is now my voice. Um, uh, this is in reference to I think that I was I was uh, disturbed. Uh, I don't think that I questioned uh, what the intention was. I know the intention was that they changed her personality at the end. Um, but uh, I was questioning like what. Uh, Riker and Picard's take on it would be, and I understand that's the prime directive was the thing that decided their their choice. But that that seemed like such a flouting of the individual's rights that it maybe would overrule the prime directive. That was my main question. But whatever well, the case, I think this is a, an apt comparison. Um, that's it for the oh, meaning lobotomies, circle. comparing lobotomies to what happened to sorry because her right. 
her very personality seemed different. Oh, yes. Uh, but there's going to be other perspectives on that, too. So. Here we go. Well, then we should yes. get out of the president's circle. And open up those hails. Everybody, here we go. Captain, we are being hailed. The first is uh, actually from uh, one of our lieutenants, the lieutenant's level. Uh, you do get priority one um, access for messages. Uh, and it is Lieutenant Phoebe Phillips who writes us, uh, this is one of the episodes that cements my headcanon that Troy and Riker are polyamorous, or at least, uh, or at the very least, in an open, ethically, ethically non-monogamous relationship. Right? They have yeah. a deep love and bond with each other that is not threatened by connections with others. Riker telling Troy about his growing feelings for Soren is a fairly common practice in ethically non-monogamous relationships, and her reaction is perfectly natural, even with the slightest bit of sadness she displayed. Polyamorous folks can still feel jealousy and sadness, but they work through those feelings. Troy being Troy, she worked through them very quickly, where many humans would take a bit longer to reach the conclusion she did that they will always be a part of each other's lives and a new relationship for him doesn't change that. Andy, that, that might answer some of your questions about those two. But it is sort of what I, we were landing on last week, which is just like, I feel like they're just in a comfortable space bone zone. It's true. I was thrown uh, by the uh, by her reaction, and I think this, uh, this hail actually addresses it. Uh, I've never heard the term ethically non-monogamous. Have you? Ethically non-monogamous? No, I've heard polyamory. And that's pretty much the extent. I'm going to be throwing that a lot. Throw around a lot, a lot. My next relationship. Come on, <laughs> baby. Be ethically non-monogamous. Uh, you know, my problem with when you say things like that is I always forget where I buried Andy Needs a Girlfriend. And I really need to unbury it from these because it <laughs> is the, maybe the most often. I think often, that statement is probably evidence of why Andy doesn't have a girlfriend. It's the most often. girlfriend. There you go. Thank you, um, Lieutenant Jane Ennis uh, writes us, For the outcast, the thing that really bumped me in this modern age is their conflation of gender and sexual orientation. Yes, she identified as female, and that's the point of her journey, but then they jump right into her being uh, heterosexual, and they ignore the difference between her gender preference and her sexuality. I know, I know I'm asking a lot of early 90s for them to separate those two, but it made, me, it made the theme a bit harder to get on board with. Thanks, guys. Love the podcast, and look forward to Andy getting the soundboard back soon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm not using it right. She misses the uh, he, she misses the chaos. Um, and then the last hail, and then we got some prime correctives is uh, is uh, from Finn again, and uh, it's a lengthy hail, uh, but uh, it was very on point to all of our all of our discussions. Oh, is this a voice hail? Yes, I sent it to oh. you and I texted no, no, you. No, no, I, I thought have a voice I, hail. I dropped it in the box. I, I no, I know, but you said our last hail, and usually you'll say voice hail. So I was, I just guys, I wasn't paying as much attention to Andy's uh, lean back in his chair where he was like, I don't have to read anything, and I, yeah, I, I dropped I the ball. I dropped the ball. I'm taking it. All right, it's very big of you, Matt. Here we go, Matt, Andy. Um. You asked for people who could relate more personally to the themes of The Outcast uh, to share their perspectives on the episode. So here's my short-ish take. 
as a, someone who is non-binary and transgender and, you know, definitely not straight. I agree with Matt that this episode was written as an attempt to engage in the societal debate on homosexuality through the analogy of gender identity. And unfortunately, it's a little clumsy. In order to demonstrate this analogy, they use language that was part of the public debate at the time. They refer to conversion therapy. And they also make the central crisis of this episode around the sexual union between two characters, as if this was a story about two people who were gay who were getting it on and then were caught by the law and were being persecuted Mm. for what happened between consenting adults, you know, behind closed doors. However, (laughs) by making the sexual relationship between Soren and Riker as the primary evidence of Soren's gender identity, they were actually hinging the story on the assumption that it could be taken for granted that Soren and Riker were heterosexual and that sexual attraction would be causally reliably connected to gender identity, oh, which is kind of opposite to of the existence of gay people. Um, when trying to advocate for acceptance of you know, men loving men and women loving women and other people being complicated, but sometimes quite sexually active. They had to jump over that possibility in the story itself. Soren's attraction to Riker, the man, made her a woman in the eyes of her society. As if an ungendered person could not engage in some kind of sexual activity with someone who happened to have a gender. That is a very good point hmm. because they can conf- they did conflate the two the gender with the sexual preference, which I really i I saw it, but i this is this is making it a little clearer also by the way, great voice quality on this was this sent as a as an m p three yeah, oh, that's the way to do it, everybody. Let's continue. And uh, whoops. <laughs> From the current queer perspective, that's this. ludicrous. Okay, when I watched the show, I was like, "They're missing steps here. One does not lead to the other. If you assume queer people exist, you can't make that assumption." Um, but here they did. Why? Because Star Trek at the time did actually hinge on the idea that queer people didn't exist, that trans people and homosexual people, you know, had been taken away through the advances of medicine, uh, along with all the other things that had been categorized as mental illnesses at the time. And that sucks, actually, (laughs) to see that so clearly in evidence in not the message portrayed, but rather the logic within the story being told. Um, And it's really ironic. It is really ironic that that is a logical leap necessary in order for this story to be told. Um, And it makes me think that probably queer people were not involved in the development of the story because (laughs) they wouldn't have made the mistake of assuming that, you know, your gender identity determines who you fuck and who you fuck determines your gender identity. Well, we know better. Um, Yeah. And uh, it's unfortunate that they didn't. Besides that, as a trans person watching this story, I gotta say, uh, yeah, they miss a lot. And, you know, especially by reducing gender to this sexual performance and these few kind of minor traits, 
It's really unfortunate to see a story that, that suggests that equity and acceptance of there being something other than a men and women requires absolute authoritarian suppression of any kind of gendering. I mean, it's a very naive depiction of androgyny and a less gendered society. And uh, it kind of plays up to the, you know, anti-feminist fears that have been a really big ongoing problem for transgender people uh, today. So, you know, it falls into a lot of traps. And uh, it's pretty clear that this is a story that is intended to remind heterosexual and cisgendered people to maybe be sympathetic to the plights of those that are inherently different from the mold. And uh, it encourages people to be accepting and supportive and maybe kind of suggest that things like conversion therapy are not cool. But it doesn't tell a queer story. You know, it doesn't tell a story for queer people. I really wonder what the story would be like if it were told today. Because... The beginning is cool. The premise is interesting. Um, but yeah, um, I think if if this had been put on today, you both would have learned a lot more about my experience. So maybe someday we'll get another crack. All right. Thanks for listening. Cheers. Finn. Oh, and by the way, I use they, them pronouns. Oh. Well, they, them we yeah. shall. I think I actually made, made, made a mistake with my pronoun at the top of the hail, and I apologize for that, Finn. Uh, um, yeah. I found this very interesting. That uh, was interesting. pretty much exactly what I was hoping for. Someone with a better point of view, or more uh, informed uh, informed point of view, sending us a hail. And that was a great fucking hail. Yeah. Hail of the um, week! Uh well we got more coming so don't don't give out the award yet too Matt. late but the too uh, late. but my only question the award has been issued <laughs> no Matt we didn't even play the who was the best hail of the week award jingle um we're not doing that so don't send in a jingle for that hey, um, if you did I wouldn't be that mad <laughs> that would be mean but my only question about that uh is that Finn sort of seemed to be implying and I don't know if it was just in reference to the to the alien world in this episode, but it felt like Finn was saying in the in at that time in history, the idea was that homosexuality didn't exist by the makers of Star Trek, and I feel like they've definitely turned a blind eye to it in a way that that was not not uh, really admirable. But it didn't feel to me like it just felt like they weren't addressing it because they didn't want to deal with it. Do you feel like they were going as far as well, I think by not addressing it, I think they did a disservice. Like that's the implication? Yeah, in a way. I don't... I don't think it's a conscious implication. That, that's, that was my I take, think it's basically. an implication of omission. It's like a lack of bravery at the time, but I don't feel like it's, it's an intentional but, implication. But, you know, we weren't there. That's true. We Who knows? Weren't. Who knows what um, Rick Berman was thinking? Um, <sighs> Thank so that's God. it Thank for God we don't the hails. And then, oh, and it's not that for the hails we have a prime corrective, now. right? We which is part of the hails we've decided. Correct. Correct. 
Correct. Huh. Andy, to access those, I must hit. It looks like I have to hit semicolon. <laughs> Here we go. Time for retrospective. Cause truth is our objective. It's a prime corrective. Cause Matt and Andy got it wrong. What'd we get wrong, Andy? Um, I think it's you that got it wrong, well, buddy. Well, usually is. But also, don't I make... don't know. You you sometimes dispute whether things should be in the prime corrective section. You... So, I don't know. Maybe Let me just be, be clear. But, uh, you don't make from... statements oh, by the way, as grandly yeah. as I do. So, rarely is a prime corrective for you. Um, this one uh, was from Lieutenant Neil Studd. And it was in reference to our beard dispute. Mm. <laughs> where I was shocked that Jordy had a beard. Um and uh, and then I was like then, he had a beard before, and uh, and then Neil Studd uh, pointed out the reason Andy doesn't re- and you said no no you've seen this before and I feel like he came down on me a little hard, uh, and you referred to the uh, to the um, to the scene where they're all talking about beards and Jordy has one and Neil Studd says the reason Andy doesn't remember that other beard scene is it hasn't happened yet what? it's in the Quality of Life season six episode nine. Uh... That is an absolute prime corrective, and I accept it. And then Glenn Wakely um, uh, added to this, Hey guys, uh, the reason Jordy is sporting a beard over the next few episodes is because LeVar Burton was getting married, and he wanted a beard for his wedding. Oh. Although I don't think he has a beard in Cause and Effect again. Well, I think think they aired. That one shot. They shot out of order. Oh, I see. I think. (laughs) The beard's going to be there and back. Yeah. Well, I like the um, beard, and I... So that's it for the Prime Corrective, and now, if you would, uh, we haven't visited in a long time, so all you face groupers uh, are going to be very happy. It's time to enter our Facebook group. Uh, I, I was curious what people were going to say about the the outcast, and uh, I saw some very pertinent well, um, commentary. we... Photoshop Matt with Data's cat. And who put Andy's face on that? Just take a look. It's on Facebook. It's in our face group. Head on over to Facebook.com and search for the group Star Trek The Next Conversation. And there you'll find our wonderful and and, uh, active community uh, led by the illustrious Chief Master. Wait, Master Chief. Chief? That's it. What is Rob's title? Chief Petty? What is he? Uh, uh, Chief. Uh, Command Master. Command Master Sergeant. You can go by Master Chief. You can call him. He, he oh, likes right. Master Chief. Master Chief Rob. Uh, Garrison. Rob Garrison is uh, our, our head moderator over there and uh, does a great job. And uh, head on over. Enjoy. Talk. Discuss. There's probably lots to discuss over there. I wonder if people are discussing our voyagering and our enterprising. I think they separated it out for some reason. I think that they... Well, I, I don't know if it makes... There's a subgroup there's, then. Subgroup to Pell. Yeah. <laughs> um, whatever. They, I would love to read those commentaries, although we have a lot of commentaries on the on the Patreon itself also. So whatever the case, uh, Catherine... I know I'm going to get it wrong, Catherine. I apologize. Giliot? It's G-U-I-L-L-O-T. Mm. Gilio? Anyway... Uh, she said uh, uh, um, that episode has always been oh man 
Catherine said, not she said, that episode has always been super special for me. I'm a trans woman, and while I do get it that it wasn't really written as a trans issue, it was that one time where 16-year-old me was stunned by that uh, one time television didn't portray someone like me as a punchline to a joke. The speech she gives at the end was such great writing. Um, so that's kind of an interesting, yeah. not full counterpoint, because Finn wasn't f- fully against it, but uh, but more fully positive perspective. Um, and then Norman Birthmark writes, uh, commented, uh, I appreciate how Matt and Andrew strive to be self-aware and delicate about discussing LGBTQ and gender issues. We do our best, Norman. <laughs> if we're off base, we truly apologize. Uh, the outcast hit close to home for me as well when it first premiered. As a 17-year-old TNG-obsessed fan, I was deeply in denial about my gay attractions. No one was fooled by the episode's thinly-veiled allegory in 1992. I remember reading the irate fan letters in Star Trek, the official fan magazine, uh, that complained that this episode was too political and inappropriate for families. Ugh. That, that's interesting. Even with Even with them sort of sanding off the edges of it, they... The, it, people were still complaining. Look, I think if there's a hot button issue for you and your family, or you know, it, it doesn't matter how dull you make the edges, it's gonna yeah. rile some people. Um, Norman goes on to say, uh, unfortunately, at the time, I was uh, I dismissed the outcast. At, sorry, unfortunately, at the time, I dismissed the outcast as typical liberal Hollywood gay propaganda because I attempted conversion therapy a couple of years later after confessing my, quote, sinful attractions. Uh, And yet this episode was still uncomfortable to rewatch during the two years that I went through counseling sessions Mm. and accountability groups at the, quote, ex-gay ministry and weekly sessions with a Christian therapist. Needless to say, conversion therapy was ineffective and harmful. As I became more disappointed in my lack of change, I remember thinking psychotectic therapy must be amazing considering how fast it quote worked yeah although psycho psychotectic therapy seemed to lobotomize soren going back to our first ale mm-hmm. uh i thought it must be worth it for the healthy quote sex healthy sexual wholeness that i was desperately devoting so much of my daily life to pursue Similarly, conversion therapy was very much about confessing and repressing sexuality to pursue an ideal of, quote, healthy sexual, quote, wholeness. It took me years to unlearn the harmful messages of conversion therapy, overcome my self-doubts, and rebuild my identity. Although I think it was a bit of a stretch to have Riker fall in love with Soren, I have to say that when I later accepted my gay identity, that I appreciated seeing the show's two stereotypical warrior males, Riker and Worf, understand the harm of repressing sexual and gender identity and risk their careers to save Soren. That is it. So it's Great. really, uh, it was very I love it. moving I love, and touching. I think I, all the hails were. I love um, that our audience is sharing, and I love that our audience uh, is helping us dum-dums see other perspectives. Um, um, I think we have uh, a, a face group close jingle. Uh, Andy, give me a, give me a sec here, bud. I mean, you can't just you can't just yell about. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta pop this open and go like this. Kaplan. 
makes me laugh every time. Um, thank you so much uh, for the hails this week. Uh, really informative and uh, and helpful and illuminating. Um, if you'd like to send a hail, please send it to sttncpod at gmail.com. Please put the title of the episode in the subject he- heading. Um, and uh, if you'd like to tweet at Matt uh, or Instagram, it's at Matt Myra. My Instagram is at Andrew Secunda. And uh, my handle is at Secunda. Our Twitter is at Star Trek TNC. And if you'd like to send a voice hail, uh, it's 816 Trek TNC. That is it for the hails. Hailing frequencies are closed. And I really should have been more on it with that button. And I wasn't. <laughs> and I apologize to all. <laughs> and in, as an apology, please accept this. Um, it's going to be saved the best for last uh, again, Matt. Oh, there were a lot of uh, there were oh. a lot of concerns that it was it was uh, drowning out everything last week. Uh, it was it if you were if you're one of the first three thousand people that downloaded last week's episode, you got Andy and I drowned out during that portion of the show. If you want to go re-download it, re-download it. Uh, I fixed the levels after a listener informed us of the snafu on my part, and uh, hopefully this week we'll he went be... down to the warp core. He did what needed to be done. I did he some tinkering down there. Test. I really was like, mm, I need to realign these coils. That's what I need to do. <laughs> and I did um, it. I did it. Thank you. You know what we don't job, have, but I think we actually need, as far as a jingle is concerned, Andy. What's that? We need a jingle for it's time to talk about the episode. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just to really get people set. Yeah, just like and then like I could always point to that exact time code in the in the notes. Sure. And uh well, it's, we're throwing it out putting there. Putting it out there if anyone All is of willing. our all of our regulars, it's a race to the finish. <laughs> Who would like to be the uh proud owner of that jingle? Uh let us know. Uh, but it is time to uh, talk about it. Andy, the best for last, you say? Correct. By, by, our, by our good friend, Vanessa Williams. <laughs> friend of the show, <laughs> Vanessa Williams. Star Huge of... fan of the show. Star of uh, 1996's Eraser with Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Andy. The time, uh, it was... 1990 something what i'm sorry march 23rd Thank 1992 you. thank you and uh in the uk so in the in america was save the best for last by vanessa williams in the uk stay by shakespeare's sister was in the top five hits newsies was one of the most viewed movies while the texas connection by craig i zerbel was one of the best-selling books also of note kyrie irving was born this day wow and the time magazine cover was Clinton versus Sungus, a no-holds-barred debate about how to fix America's economy. Now, Andy, Matt, I really thought Newsies was earlier than this. Um, I can double check. Uh, maybe I'm checking the wrong thing. No, I think you're right. But in my brain, Newsies is like 88. It's definitely 92. Um, April 10th, 1992. Wow. So it took a couple of months for it to climb the charts. 
Oh, wait. No, it didn't. It was the... Oh, that's weird. It says the release date is April 10th, but this is March 23rd. I wonder if the site I'm looking at is not uh, not accurate. Maybe the site is experiencing some sort of temporal causality loop. Could be. Oh, man. Matthew Kirk used to be uh, responsible for these, and uh, he's taken a leave of absence. Uh, certainly no blame to him. He's going above and beyond, giving us giving it to us. Yes. Anybody else want to send me this day and track? Take a little off old Secunda's plate. Feel free. I <laughs> don't <laughs> right. do it. Andy, it's now time to check in on the chairman of the board. Woof, woof, woof on me and my buttons. I'm hitting too many buttons. I don't want to read any of these hails from people saying they're afraid that the show's not going to be the show now that I'm not running the soundboard. Oh, it is. <laughs> There's an equal amount of mistakes because, right now. Because, like, the, the, if you take something off Andy's plate, it goes onto Matt's plate. And if I have <laughs> more buttons to do, you can be assured that we're going to be just as clumsy as ever. <laughs> uh, oh, God. Andy. It's all right, buddy. Uh, <laughs> Do you, know, do you know what's next? Oh, I is do, absolutely. Do? It's my favorite segment, okay. but I'm just okay, trying good. to fuck it. Yeah, this is usually, uh, ironically, this is the only segment you never forget. <laughs> it's so wild. I can't, I can't find it. <laughs> oh, no, Frank. I'm impressed. You, when you say it's the semicolon, each button is tied each, to each a Each button sound? is tied is to a specific, soundboard? Yeah, each, each, because of the soundboard I built... Each button uh, or key on the keyboard is tied to a specific sound. So crazy. So what I have to do is find the sound and then the corresponding key on the keyboard. And I also always have to have the soundboard as the primary thing on the screen for it to engage. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know how it got all the way down here, but I found it, Andy. It's Command F. Here we go. Frank Sinatra, oh, Option come F. on. Da, 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 da. Time for that segment everybody hates. <laughs> Time for Frank Sinatra, come on. <laughs> yes, it is. Frank Sinatra, come on. The chairman of the board. What was he doing in March of 92? Well, I'll tell you, buddy. Fly Old Blue Eyes. Uh, it was another travel day for him. <laughs> As the previous night finished Frank's five-night run in Fort Lauderdale. He was uh, on his way out to Palm Springs again to visit his desert home and do a quick performance nearby. Oh, those lucky ducks. Palm Springs. They must have gotten frequent little pop-ins by old Frank. We, uh, I, we did an architecture tour of Palm Springs a few years ago and uh, stopped by Frank's pad. It was, it's quite a pad, Andy. I once uh, saw an architecture tour happening as I was driving around looking at stuff, uh-huh. <laughs> and then I was, I was like, "Oh, well, I guess I'll just follow these people and see where they're going." And then I started to feel a little bit dirty about it. Oh, <laughs> like, wow. I'm just getting a free yeah, tour. Yeah, the architecture so tour is very expensive. Uh, is it? Yeah, it's like it's like an architecture firm that does it, and like one guy has a headset, and you all, uh, how does it work? I believe you. I believe we all had to. It brought he broadcasts out of his headset to like an FM transmitter, and then you dial up to whatever that frequency is in your car. Yeah, and you hear him. I mean, it's it's wild. It was it was cool. We did is, it. Do you, do you, I assume you must have seen. I, I the only thing that I saw 
I went as far as you could go, but it's sort of a road that you can't go fully up. Was yes, I really wanted to, to see Steve McQueen's house? Um, I don't think it was Steve McQueen's house we went to. But, but did is, you see Frank's? Yeah. And I'm curious if Frank's is sometimes things of the of the past era are like sort of frozen in time and therefore amazing now yeah. because the the vintage aspect has carried over and sometimes it's like their money in the 90s ruined everything yeah no uh frank's house is still very tasteful you know which house is like elvis's honeymoon house also in palm springs uh that one is like uh someone needs to come in here with some money and fix this up <laughs> well well the uh uh, the king, uh, while uh, let's just while say he, uh, he had a lot of things going for him. I don't know that taste. Uh, <laughs> taste interior was design not taste would have been the thing that at I the top of his to do list. <laughs> that I rewarded uh, him for. All right, it's cause and effect, Andy. Your new favorite episode, directed by Mr. Jonathan Frakes, written by Brandon Braga. And this episode, oh my god. <laughs> So many problems are happening. You have no idea. Here we go. I think we as as uh, also as written in Doctor Doctor Trek himself, Larry Nemechek's Star Trek: The Next Generation Companion Revised Edition. Here it is. The crew's regular poker game suddenly feels too familiar to Doctor Crusher, who experiences feelings of deja vu that are first puzzling and then maddening. Those feelings intensify when she is called away to treat Lieutenant LaForge for a minor but baffling dizziness. Preparing for bed, she hears strange voices in her cabin. Meanwhile, the Enterprise is continuing to chart the Typhon Expanse. When the ship's propulsion system fails, hurling it into a onto a collision course with another starship that appears out of the void. Picard follows Data's advice to use the tractor beam to alter the other ship's trajectory, but that tactic fails, the ships collide, and both are destroyed. The regular poker game resumes, and this time Beverly is not alone in her feelings of deja vu. After experiencing another cycle of destruction, she records the voices she hears in her room, which Data discovers are the echoes of their own conversations from past time loops. As another cycle climaxes, Data plants a clue for himself in the next time loop, recurring instances of the number three, realizing at the last second that the numbers refer to Riker's, the pips on Riker's uniform, his plan to decompress the main shuttle bay to alter course, Data follows the first officer's suggestion rather than his own, and the loop is broken. Uh, they find the Enterprise has been trapped for 17 days, but Picard wonders how he will explain to the crew of the other starship, the Bozeman, that they have been caught for 90 years. There you go. Yeah. Oh, what an episode. Such an episode. It's really interesting to, like, think about when I was watching it I was thinking about what sort of clips we'd be playing because a lot of it is so repetitive that's a good point um, and what's interesting about it and uh, this is one of the things I'd love to get into with Frakes about is uh, it's so smartly shot in terms of revisiting from different angles and um, but obviously we won't see that on the pod yeah but, and you also uh, wonder what the sort of call what what it was what their days were like so if, i wonder if they were like okay today we're gonna knock out every poker scene right you know today we're they, gonna well knock they out must have they, every... they wouldn't have done company moves which is moving all the equipment from set to set right they would have just they would have just knocked it all out at once which would have been a a herculean task well also for think the about the fact and that, the director yeah riker's in so much of it yeah 
That is an interesting thing. Is that is that? And I was sort of thinking about this about Roe, and I guess I understand why it would be Riker, but Roe is kind of on the bridge offset the whole time, and she could have been one of the people playing poker, um, or not. And you know, it could have been actor scheduling. You know, it's true. She was like, oh, or it could have been it could have been Jordy for that matter. I guess Jordy had to appear in the uh, in the sick bay. Yeah. But you could have made that Riker. I guess, Why are I'm you trying, trying to, to alter a work. great I'm trying episode. to figure out how you could have moved it around. Whatever the case, certainly an extra level of difficulty for Frakes. Yes, and uh, what a what a cold open, Andy. Oh, my God. You know what my note was that I wrote after this cold open? What? <laughs> uh, let me find it. I wrote, holy shit, fuck you every other cold open ever. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you start with the destruction of the ship. It's hard to watch. I mean, I love the ship so much. It's hard to watch it go down so many times. Casualty report coming in from all over the ship. The starboard nacelle has sustained a direct impact. We are venting drive plasma. Initiating emergency core shutdown. Inertial damper is failing. We're losing attitude control. This is the bridge. All hands to emergency escape pods. I mean... Shit is going down if Riker's like, everyone get to a fucking escape pod. And then Picard is calling everyone to abandon ship. Core shutdown is unsuccessful. It is, it's also interesting being able to watch it this many times that, uh, that you really see the progression of them going from, you know, pretty, pretty tense, but not fucking losing their shit to oh we're about to you know the whole thing's about to go like and the progressions of you know what's happening with the warp core and everything and each technical thing that happens is really well played so that it's like oh yeah so everybody should get to the escape pods now it's like abandoned ship this yeah. thing's to, going up to the to that point i think it's um there's a really nice moment with data where he does the calculation of the uh Core, the Corridge shutdown is unsuccessful, yeah. and that in the last in the last loop they go through, there's a very nice moment with Brent Spiner where you see Data process the fact that that didn't work. We're fucked. Right. This must be the time when I need to send this message. It's so great! It's so great that you can look at it in the midst of a crisis. A crisis where everyone theoretically has died yeah. and will die that you see him make that adjustment and that the writing supports it and the directing supports it and the actor supports it that it's just like, oh, this is the, this is, we've already done all the things that we could do. What else would it be? Yeah. In reality, it would be, we have to give up the time stone. Yeah. We are losing antimatter containment. And, uh, and- We've got to eject the Tony core. would argue against Ejection it. systems offline. Core breach is imminent. All hands abandon ship. Repeat. All hands abandon. What a way for the Enterprise to go down. Getting getting tapped in a parking lot by Fraser. Um, but I like that they go. He doesn't, he doesn't really show enough enough remorse at the end 
that they were trying to hail him and he was basically ramming them. <laughs> he seems pretty chill for that having was that if if that just happened. I understand they didn't hit each other, but I wonder what the Yeah, I don't know what the situation is. And <laughs> I was thinking about you uh, when I was watching this this morning and I was like, I wonder at what point Andy's gonna go ahead and look up the memory beta existence of Captain Bateman. <laughs> Because oh, it's really smart. I is, definitely was is, like, "Ooh, he does is, he come back?" He is on the cover the, of books. Like the Bozeman, I feel like gets a refit at some point in the books. And I so ever, pl- nerds, please tell me, are any of those books good? Because I was so at the end of this episode, I was basically like, I kind of, even though it would have been insane, I really want this to be a two-parter because I desperately want to know what happened to that fucking ship. Right? And like that that's crew a wild... finding out that they're 80 years later. It's such a great, it's a plot that would happen to the main crew, but it's just a side crew. <laughs> yeah, and like, you just sort of think about them reacclimating, And I love how like, Picard gets that sort of forlong look on his face when he when they say, we just left Starbase three weeks ago. And he's like, oh, boy. <laughs> Look, you I guys, got a lot of explaining to do. You guys did not do a great job. The area of space known as the Typhon Expanse. We're the first Starfleet vessel to chart this unexplored region. Now, the Typhon Expanse, correct me if I'm wrong, Andy, but on Discovery Season 2, I believe they mentioned that you have to go through blah, 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 and the Typhon Expanse. Well, like let's look it up. Last week. Um, I did not check <laughs> Oh, you're going to look it up on Memory Alpha? And, you know and it will say, say, in Star Trek Discovery, <laughs> in order to arrive at this planet, you must pass through this and the Typhon sector. Huh. They don't have it in the uh, episode description. So I guess I can go to. I would never feel good about, uh, about Sometimes I wonder playing cards with data. The deck. I assure you, Commander, the cards are sufficient. Neither does Riker. What's up? Neither does Riker. <laughs> He said it, he says it like nine times in this episode. I need. Let's see. Is there a way? Uh, by the way, I was really looking hard for uh, if there was, if there was, if they were using miniature cards for uh, for Dorn, but it was. But they just throw it in front of him, so it's sort of hard to tell. And I wonder if the reason they throw it in front of him to support your theory that maybe there were fake cards last time is because Data has to kind of deal them so much that they didn't have him pick them up. Well, I just feel like it's only in that one episode do the cards seem so tiny. <laughs> insane. In if it was hand. just that one episode, that would be even more insane. It is, I swear. And, you know, it's going to be something we're going to look for in later p- poker episodes, but I, I, I'm pretty sure, Andy. And if you're an actor at a certain point in a series, sometimes you'll just be like, this is ridiculous, my character wouldn't do this, whatever. And I feel like Torn would just be like, this is insane, but all right, I'll hold the tiny <laughs> cards. I'll play along. <laughs> I hope so. Eight, ace, queen, the dealer receives a four. No bet. Ten, seven, no help there. Pair of ladies for the doctor. Dealer receives a nine. I like when he says no help for the clinic. May I remind you, since you show the highest hand, you control the next bet. Thank you, Data. I bet ten. Worf? 
Jack, four, deuce, six. We're assuming based on her reaction that she's already feeling something weird, right? She's, uh, they've already been through this. Yeah, well, it's a little. Well, I guess murky. they would have already been through this because we saw them explode. Yes. So. Yeah, but it's a little murky because it's poker. So I feel like you don't know if she's just thinking about five card stud or we get into these debates about what's going on between behind people's reactions. But I feel like she's not j- just bluffing. I feel like she's like in her own headspace, is what the actress is communicating. Hey, let's it. look at the. Uh, Let's look at the script. By the way, there was ne- the Typhon Expanse only only uh, t- does the the, uh, the the breakdown of this episode we're watching, as you anticipated. Mm-hmm. It does have Typhon Sector, um, and it says in twenty three seventy three, Admiral Hayes mobilized Starfleet in this area to confront a Borg cube, which oh, was right. on route to yes. Earth in first contact. Yeah, but I remember that. Huh. Um, okay. And then there's a Typhon Sector in Memory Beta, but I assume you don't care about that. No, we don't care about Memory Beta. Well, I'm going to look up the Bozeman thing. <laughs> or should I save it? Should I not do spoilers? <laughs> spoilers for what? <laughs> for what happens to the Bozeman. <laughs> I think it's not a spoiler. It's not canon. <laughs> You're 20 and 50 more. 50? I wonder, if, I wonder if Doran is Klingon swearing under his breath. <laughs> I love the grumbling. I love- it is, I think we talked about it last week, but it is, it's, it's a, I mean, it's so successful comedically that it's hard to knock it, but it's a very strange aspect that they make Worf such a timid, conservative poker player. Oh, sorry. It seems like he would just be betting the house on every hand, wouldn't he? No. This doesn't I think fit into he, the Worf he, is never Worf category. I think uh, poker is uh, a warrior's honorable game. No, I'm just kidding. You have to lie in poker, and there's no honor in lying. So I don't know that Klingons would be good at poker. Also see the bet. Hey, this is... I think I have a theory. It's not much of a theory. Wait, so Klingons hang on, hang cheap. on. Don't have oh, your theory. Don't say you have a theory and then oh, proceed right. without you're hearing right. the themes. It's been so long since I had a theory. I know, but... Uh, oh, God. Andy's theory. <laughs> Better get the other one ready. Oh, it's ready. <laughs> um, did you say, what is it? No, I said, oh, it's ready. Andy, what is your theory? <laughs> My theory is that Klingons are cheap. Uh, I guess we could limit it to Worf just being cheap, but I think it's a more interesting cheap. theory C- to theorize. C H E A P. Huh? C H E A P is in Paul. Cheap. C H E A P. Cheap. Yes. Okay. What? I thought you might have said cheat, as in no, no, cheating in a game. No, definitely not. Yeah. Cheats. Okay. Thank you. They're cheap. Not. They're not like Ferengis. Uh, who are money grubbing? <laughs> they're not money grubbing. They're just very protective of their wealth. And what? is the evidence to support Andy's theory. He grumbles at this raise. <laughs> yeah, I have to... Look, it's a new theory. <laughs> I, gotta, I gotta... Feel free to uh, write in with anything to support this theory. <laughs> All right, there you have it, everybody. Theories are very interesting. 
because he's really smart. <laughs> it's not my best. Is I'm it, is it that interesting jingle? Uh, all right. Where were we? Seven. Uh, by the way, even before we get into all the, the memory stuff, I love that Beverly is is winning at cards and is this good at it. I like this this element that we're building. It really should have been. to your it should, point, is she only winning because she's already played this hand and knows that he's bluffing? Oh, interesting. Because I was gonna, I was gonna argue that one of the reasons that Beverly's so interesting in this episode and such a badass character is it's sort of leaning on intuition, uh, which is which is why Data, at least through the whole top half of the episode, seems completely adrift because there are all these these things that aren't logical that are happening, mm-hmm. and Beverly's just going off of a feeling. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, it sort of added up to me like, oh, I wonder if she's generally good at cards uh, because that... she's just an intuitive person. And as a doctor, you have to make a lot of intuitive decisions. Oh, there you go, Andy. I like it. A little positivity going Crusher's way. Possible straight for yeah. Riker. Jack, still no help for the Klingon. Eight. <laughs> nice. Nine for the dealer. Too rich for my blood. You're 20? 100 more. Hold. Ugh, Worf <laughs> should not have turned over that three when he folded. I was thinking that. Right. Also, side note, does Riker play this badly? I yes. feel like at, at a certain point... Yes, he does. It's, it's very clear that Beverly has a good hand and is just... Well, it's clear when she's dealt pair of queens that she has a much better hand than than Riker McBluffs a lot. Right, he's just being a he's just being a cowboy. Yeah. Two hundred. You're two and three hundred more. Now the the balls on on Riker, excuse the phrase, to get a raise and then bluff a re-raise. That was the part where I was just like, "What is he doing?" It's just ludicrous. <laughs> That's not in a way even a ballsy player would do. Yeah, right? for sure, you could do that. Absolutely. But like at because that point, because if you think isn't... about it, think about it, right? Doing that, you would go, "Oh, there's no fucking way he." I see. Is bluffing you, at me. He's got the goods, the same, and then I fold. I don't know. At the same time, isn't there an element of you just have to have? You're already so far in that it's just like, well, I got to see his hand now. Well, there sure there is for some people, but also there's like you have to. There's only one card not being shown here, right? Yeah, in their hands. So you have to really. I mean, this is not a poker podcast. This is fucking Star Trek, but. You have to like Star Trek. You, you'd have to. He'd have to have a bluff catcher. Like he'd have to have the other, like another queen. Yeah. Like he'd have to have that queen to be confident in bluffing her. To when to which she would be, he would be sure she only had a pair of queens. So is she willing to go? Do you know what I mean? Is she willing to 
come over the top if he just has a bluff catcher. Uh-huh. So, gotcha. I mean, it just, it's poker. It's it's blah, 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 blah. Uh, <laughs> I like it. These lines they're taking are not that crazy, but yeah. a little crazy. He does not right. have a straight. With their fake money. Well, we'll soon find out, won't we? Let's see your cards. Take it. <laughs> How'd you know I was bluffing? I just had a feeling. I guess it's better to be lucky than good. It's the way your left eyebrow raises. <laughs> the real Ooh, slam. That is rough. Just kidding. <laughs> the real oh, sour grapes on Riker's part. Go ahead. <laughs> like Data looking at Riker to verify if his eyebrow is moving. Forge, need you in <laughs> on my way. Enjoy your no money credits, everybody. At first, I thought the catwalk was spinning. As it turns out, it was me. Luckily, Ensign Fletcher was there to grab me. It's a long way down to the bottom of the warp core. You have all the symptoms of an inner ear infection. That would explain the dizziness and the headaches. I hear LeVar is in talks to appear in season two of Picard. Yeah, I saw that. So, hey, side note, um, Garrett uh, Garrett Wang and I—I I was very excited to see Garrett Wang. Mm-hmm. Um, followed me this uh, this week, and uh, and uh, it and I I believe we did we met them at at uh, the Star Trek con. Not Garrett. We met Robert. I believe I met them. Um, I met Garrett and um, his uh, his significant other Megan Elise, um, who is a fan of the podcast, and he says he is too, which is incredibly wonderful and uh, to hear. Uh, and uh, now he and Duncan, RDM are, Robert Duncan McNeil, the Delta Flyers, which is a fucking perfect name for that podcast. So perfect. <laughs> I was a little jealous of that name. I was like, no, that's fucking, that's good. But come on, those two have to have that. I know. <laughs> How bad you felt that we used like, that and then they didn't a have good, it? <laughs> such a good name. Um, so very exciting, and I'm looking forward to listening to that. So please check it out. Uh, Garrett's been podcasting for a while. He has. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting. I, I, I like that they're doing that. I do wonder when someone, when two two TNGers are going to get bored and decide to do that during the quarantine. <laughs> I'm sure it's it's coming directly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, we encourage you all go subscribe to the Delta Flyers uh, and rewatch Voyager along with the two of the fucking senior staff. <laughs> yeah. And I really hope they start talking about which extras were annoying, what background people they didn't care for. That's the nitty gritty I'd like to know. Do they do that? Are those are they those type of personalities? I feel like Garrett's going to be more genial. No, I, I and that's they're better than that. But I don't want them to be better right. than that. They're not a bunch of they're not a couple of sourpuss. <laughs> I want them to be sour, like sour, grumpy writers. That's what I'd like them to be. Yeah, they. They probably I get shot annoyed. this on the same I, set. They couldn't redress it. I, I get annoyed when I see our background over at your show. Yeah. Because they would be, I imagine, stuck in some sort of time vortex where they're in yeah. William Penn Academy for 10 years 
at the same age. We share high school student background between schooled <laughs> and the Goldbergs, and it really, it just breaks my brain sometimes. My guess is you've been working too hard. You're caught in the Typhon Expanse. Yeah. I have been putting a lot of extra hours on this Typhon Expanse project. I'll give you 20 cc's of verdazine. That should clear up the dizziness, but finding time to relax is up to you. What? What is it? Jordy, have you had these symptoms before? No. You sure? Yeah, I'm positive. Why? It's funny. I feel like we've discussed this before, and I remember giving you a hypospray for dizziness. Well, I've never had these symptoms before today, so you must be thinking about another patient. Well, I'm sure it was you. Well, try to get some rest and stay away from high places for a few days, just in case. <laughs> Thanks, Doc. Good night. Good night. What if Jordy had fallen all the way down to the warp core? <laughs> <laughs> Um, painful. Thing what do you think of uh, what do you think of Doctor Crusher's nighttime routine of uh, a little little glass of wine, putting a bow in her hair, <laughs> bow in her hair, trimming, <laughs> pruning some uh, flowers, some orchids, and uh, goes to sleep. I think she's got it down. I think that's the uh, way to do yeah, it. Yeah, it all seems reasonable. It I seems like that very routine. Calming. It's a nice it's a nice bedtime routine. I'm kind of uh, jealous. Frankly, her and Picard have got it down. Picard has that that uh, that that warm milk with nutmeg. It's <laughs> thanks buff. to his aunt. Those two Edna. Know how to What's sleep. her name? Ad, Ed, Edna. Aunt Edna. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, what? What's the the memory beta on Aunt Edna? <laughs> I gotta look that up right now. <laughs> As you can see, the Typhon expanse is huge. If we want to chart the most remote star system, we'll have to launch a probe within the next few hours. Fine. What about the luminosity studies? Uh, that may pose a problem. How so? The flux spectrometers are still down for realignment. I thought they were supposed to be back online yesterday. They were until the Stellar Dynamics Lab decided they needed to install. <laughs> He's a real... Riker's a little too aggro <laughs> at Jordy on that. Like, he's so concerned about the spectrometers. <laughs> Well, he probably subconsciously knows that By the he way, died nine I, times. I really like this morning briefing. This is one of the few times we actually see this. Because it's this true. is day-to-day ship operations. Right now, there is no crisis they're discussing. Yeah. This is just the senior staff morning meeting. And as far as someone who loves uh, Starfleet Protocol and, and how, you know order of operations on a ship this is this is just delightful yeah i recommend we use a gravitron it's also nice to see the how it keeps escalating like there like at first he's like all right well you know it's in a few hours we'll be meeting for the morning meeting and uh, we'll yeah. talk then and then yeah. it's just like we're going right it to the morning meeting yeah. function make it so mr data captain i have something i'd like to report yes doctor I heard voices in my room last night. I was alone, so at first I thought I was imagining things. <laughs> right, Picard's face. I'll just pull it back so Andy can just take a good good gander at Patrick Stewart. Uh, it really looks like he wants to say, oh, for fuck's sake, here we go again. 
I think that mine's not. Like she always right. hears voices or something. Ready? Watch Patrick Stewart's face. Yes, Doctor. I think my, my thing is in sync anyway. Buddy. I heard voices in my room last night. I was alone, so at first I thought I was imagining. Andy, you're not synced up? No. What did you do? You went to memory beta and closed the window? No, it's still open. I think it just never was synced up. Here. Click on that and join me. Join me in Star Trek Town. Okay. Anybody out there in the uh, corona corona pandemic uh, quarantine that wants to watch Netflix with a friend, there's a really great plug-in for Chrome called Netflix Party that Andy and I have been using to be able to see the same thing on the screen at the same time. So as long as TNG's on Netflix, we can do that. All right. Yes. So I'm going to play it again so you can see Picard's face. Ready? I heard yep. voices in my room last night. I was alone, so at first I thought I was imagining. <laughs> you really, really has a moment there with it, you know? <laughs> oh, shit. Here she goes. <laughs> it's priceless. Oh if anyone wants to watch that at home, I suggest you uh, slide over to the first morning meeting. It's right at about the nine-minute mark of the show. But this morning, ten other people reported hearing voices at the same time as I did. What were the voices saying? I couldn't make them out. Data, did the sensors pick up anything unusual last night? No anomalous readings were reported. When we're through here, recheck the sensor logs. Aye, sir. Counselor. I sensed nothing unusual last night. Maybe it's a problem with the comm system. <laughs> I'd love to see Picard's reaction to that one. Captain Picard. <laughs> Go ahead. We are getting unusual readings. Uh, 20,000 oh, kilometers you, off the starboard Oh, did you sense bow. nothing unusual, Troy? <laughs> On our way. <laughs> also, why would they have a senior staff meeting without the chief of security there? <laughs> yeah. Seems like also, that what do you think? Should have just been I Ro. guess Roe isn't senior s- staff. Uh, she's the helmsman, so I would think that she would what? be. I'm sorry, Andy. We talked over each other. Go ahead. What were you saying? I said that she's the helmsman. I would think that she would be. Yeah. This feels like a good opportunity for Chief O'Brien to be in this episode. Also, look, it's a minor point. Everybody knows what a fan of Roe I am. I'm not a fan of the new haircut. Too Vulcan-y. Sorry. I meant to hit... uh... a girlfriend. (laughs) Fair. It is a highly localized distortion of the space-time continuum. On screen... Back us off, Ensign. Nice and slow. Aye, sir. Captain, maneuvering thrusters are not responding. The distortion field is fluctuating. All main systems just went down. Power levels are dropping rapidly. Red alert! There is an energy buildup in the distortion field. We have to get out of here now. Captain, something is emerging. May I ask... You may. <laughs> she says that every time. That is the line that they give Troy to say in yep. that situation. What is she saying that for? <laughs> I think she is probably, right, in my mind, sensing, and this is probably putting too much too much credence in the character's line, but if I had to explain this and I wrote this episode, I would say right now she is 
experiencing the collective emotion of everyone right. on the ship who some, has yeah. some premonition about this moment. Right. Some kind of yeah. It's yeah. That 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 was what I assumed, but it's it's weird because she kind of says it, and oh wait, here we go. Suddenly Troy's overwhelmed by a distinct and horrible feeling. It says in the script. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Which although I, it's still not, it's, it's not clear. It's played exactly as <laughs> not written. Clear. It would have been. It would have been kind of nice if she had said that. Yeah. Something like I'm sensing something very strange with the crew. Every person on this ship is giving me the feeling that we should get the hell out of here. Yeah, yeah. Like that would have been nice. Shields up. Evasive maneuver. Shields inoperative. The helm's not responding. The vessel is on a collision course. Impact in 36 seconds. Hail them. No response. Effects on the ship compressed main out. shuttle bay. The explosive reaction may kick us out of the way. Captain, I suggest we use the tractor beam to alter the other ship's trajectory. Mr. Wolf, make it so. If you had done it like earlier instead of turning around data and just done it, you have tractor beam control. You're an ops. You can do it. Don't you need the captain's decision on that? I think you probably do, and he is an android, so. Frankly, I was thinking, Fine, was it out of line after Riker gives his suggestion that that data just that slides data under? Gives his suggestion anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um. I also, it was sort of an interesting choice. I guess you kind of, it's kind of, you have to reverse engineer it from. Well, data has to realize something was wrong, but it's. And maybe it was too demeaning to have Rikers be wrong. But it's interesting that Picard goes with Data's suggestion over Riker's suggestion. Wouldn't you? Yeah, I guess I would. <laughs> I mean, it's Data. I'd be like, okay, that'll probably work. Data's usually right. <laughs> then make him number one. Uh, well, he's number two. He's, the, he's been know. number two for 9,000 years. Wow. How many years he's been at the same level? Only five, only five seasons. Five seasons. Unexplored region. But I mean, even prior to that, he, he's been in Starfleet for like a crazy amount of time, hasn't he? Like 17 years or something? Yeah, but if you think about everybody else's career, they're probably in their mid-30s. They're probably right around the same time. Sure, I think I think there's a little bit of uh, uh, artificial life racism that's uh, been holding Data's promotions back. Right. As we saw in, you know, when uh, What's-His-Face doesn't want to take orders from Data on that, uh, when they're setting that web during the Klingon Civil War. Right. Sometimes I wonder if he's stacked. All right, so the ship blows up again, and uh, we're back at the we're back, back at the poker game. I assure you, Commander, the cards have been sufficiently randomized. I hope so. Eight. I love how it's Ace. shot differently every time. It's really nice. Queen. The dealer receives a four. No bet. Ten. I, I like it. Worf's checking, checking his pair no of aces. There. Pair of ladies for the doctor. Dealer receives a nine. Doctor, may I remind you, since you show the highest hand, you control the next bet. Is there something wrong, doctor? No. Um, I'll bet ten. Really? 
It's also Jack? like she knows that Gates McFadden knows that they're doing a push in on her. So that's suggesting it. And I put this in Frakes' hands, too, in terms of handling the performance. And she knows that the pause suggests something. So she doesn't have to put anything on the no to suggest, like, she could have gone, like, no. Like, but she's like, I don't know. It's a weird feeling. All these other two things communicate it. And so I can just do the no straight. It's really nice, subtle acting for such a a huge sci-fi moment. Uh wish we had a theme for that kind of a thing <laughs> very specific for and he's still acting for a huge sci-fi moment <laughs> <laughs> yep or <laughs> i would encourage people to not waste their time making that jingle <laughs> you're 20 and i'll raise you 50 you're going to call my bluff, aren't you? That's bad poker. Don't say you're going to call my bluff. <laughs> <laughs> See, you're learning some important tips here, guys. How did you know I was going to call your bluff? I just had a feeling. Me too. Okay. I wish they started making out across the table. Go to Dr. Crusher. <laughs> Go ahead. Commander LaForge needs you in sickbay. On my way. Um, I'm sure I've asked you this before. That dome on the top is not the bridge. That right? That those are the windows of the observation lounge. They should be anyway. Have we seen the observation lounge? That's where they have the meeting. Oh, that's the observation lounge. Yeah, those are the observation lounge windows. It feels like that room is bigger from what it, it does, looks like out because here. Because they have people like walking. I don't know. Yeah. At first, I thought the catwalk was spinning. As it turns out, it was me. So she starts to put it together here with Jordy, which I like because he now is like on board with this whole. I have. Let's check the medical logs. You've been treated several times for headaches related to your visor. But I read no mention Have you thought about just being blind? <laughs> That's her medical opinion. If you like it lost you a lot visor, of problems. If you lost the visor, <laughs> uh, you, your headaches would go away. <laughs> we can get you a seeing eye dolphin. <laughs> Both of us? About the same thing? Hmm. So... Here we go again. She's in her room. She starts to sense the thing. And then she hears the voices. Pressure to Picard. Yes, Doctor. Do you have a minute, Jean-Luc? I like that he was... Do you want... Do you, I think he was just in his ready room. He just wasn't... He wasn't in his quarters. He was just chilling in his sweater reading a book. I like that. Is that is is this room his ready room? Yeah. Hi, Aunt oh, Adele. Interesting. That must have just they must have just Aunt decided. Adele, not Edna. Adele. Adele cured a Aunt lot of Adele. sleepless nights with this steam milk. That's why I couldn't find it. Thank you. 
Mm. Nutmeg. Whenever I get insomnia, I try to perfect the recipe. It was the eeriest feeling. When the glass broke, it triggered the sensation even more intensely than I'd done it all before. You know, earlier I was reading this book and I had the distinct feeling that I'd read certain paragraphs before, but I assumed that I'd read the book years ago and I'd forgotten. I've had this feeling for hours. And then the voices. By the way, what this does to me is it it adds a layer of how fucking stupid the crew of the Bozeman is to be doing this for 90 years and never putting it together. Just having the same fucking conversations about deja vu again and again. <laughs> Although, in their in fairness to them, yeah, they might have only been like they might have only been repeating a few seconds. You know what I mean? Is it? Yes. So, so I guess the suggestion at the end is they were both caught in this in this loop, mm-hmm. and it was a loop where time outside keeps going yes as they're as they keep going and yeah. repeating gotcha um but what caused theirs they're in the same spot seems to be a space localized in that space but they came through before the accident happens oh the the spot itself is what causes yeah it. and then the in fairness they might not even be trapped for 90 years they might have just gone through passed and through that's what, I, that's what i'm asking yeah hmm. it could be nothing more than the result of a sleepless night but let's be sure have data and geordie run a shipwide diagnostic concentrating on the time and place when you heard the voices and we'll discuss the results tomorrow at 700 hours thank you for everything she left the bow on I- i'd be like you know what it's pretty late. Um, could we move the meeting to like 900 hours? <laughs> that was what I was thinking. <laughs> like, oh, what a drag. Um, do you think that he didn't have her back to his quarters because he thought it would have been inappropriate? No, I think that he was in his ready room reading that book. You think he was just there? Yeah. No commentary from Matt on the uh, all the Picard costume changes in this episode. Didn't I mention that he was just in his ready room with his Picardigan? No. Oh, the, did you mention the Picardigan? I didn't catch yeah. that. Come on. The greatest uniform in the history of uniforms. That isn't Captain the Wrath Picard. of Khan Admiral's uniform. Go ahead. We are getting unusual <laughs> readings 20,000 kilometers off the starboard bow. On our way. Report. Sensors didn't detect the phenomenon until we were almost on top of it, sir. Is a highly localized distortion of the space-time continuum. On screen. <laughs> I wish, I wish that on screen to look at it and Riker goes, "Yep, that's what it is." I wish he was <laughs> <laughs> just be like, "Totally knew that's oh, look, what that it was." It looks so temporal, huh? Yeah, yeah. You can really see the timiness about it. <laughs> is that an old? 60s police box it's unexplored <laughs> it's a bunch of bunch of Beatles references in there they uh ship blows up again 
Three, how many times? Three times now the ship's blown up? Keep dealing, Sounds David. right. I think they, they pretty much also handily handle it. Handily handle it. Great podcaster. Um, by having it broken down by axe when it explodes, which is really nice. And uh, just like, you want a good act break? Here it is, every act break. <laughs> sure. Same thing. Eight. Also, when they do it the third time, I don't know if we're there yet. Uh, they they see the ship uh, explode from inside the bridge, which is so cool and upsetting. Oh, when the fire is going up the side from of the it. outside, and then we see it explode from the inside. Yeah. A queen, you're going to give me a queen. One thing I wondered is. Um, could they afford doing that extra? Because there's a lot of effects in this episode, and could they afford it because it's just like they're repeating so many effects, so many shots. Well, what I assume is like... could just keep... They just use the same ship explosion over and over again from a couple angles Yeah. Um, as far as blowing up the model. And then everything else, I think, is just shaking the camera <laughs> and lights yeah. flickering. Ten. Seven. Queen. Nine. Jack. Four. Deuce. Six. This is highly improbable. How did we know? Wait. Crusher to sickbay. Sickbay here. Is Commander LaForge there? No, Doctor, he's not. Wait a minute. He just came in. <laughs> that line reading, I would have done it a little differently. <laughs> I would have gone, he just came in. Because, like, at that point, you're just assuming that she is waiting. She's expecting LaForge to arrive this because of some appointment she doesn't know Andy about. Andy school specific acting, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Matt. <laughs> You wanted to see me, Doctor? Yes. Captain, have you been getting the feeling that you've experienced certain things before? A sense of repetition? Yes, recently. While I was reading, why do you ask? There have been similar incidents reported all over the ship. Feelings of deja vu. I had a premonition Geordie was going to come into sickbay. A few seconds later, he did, with the symptoms of an ear infection. I was going to run the standard tests, but somehow I had a feeling that they would turn out negative. So I ran an optical diagnostic, which traced the problem to Geordie's visor. His dizziness is being I caused think he by should a lose it. shift in his visual receptors. It's causing him to see images that aren't there. I mean, what's, like what's he doing? Blurry it's causing him constant pain. <laughs> I ran a scan to see if I could detect what he was seeing. I picked up minuscule distortions in the surrounding Deccan field. Somehow his visor is translating those distortions into visual impulses. Could be a malfunction. The ship's a warp field generator. I'll check it out. Run a localized subspace scan to look for anything else. Aye, sir. Keep me advised. Um, I love that she has the wherewithal to grab the tricorder. Like, she's ready for this at this point. So great. So badass. I also like the fact that there's, like, some things are inevitable, like that glass is always going to break. What did you make of that? That some, had the feel of things fate are inevitable. almost. It was very strange. 
that had the feeling of what? Of fate. Yeah. That's what that felt like to me as well. But is that... Like, you can't change everything. Some things are just meant to go. That's odd to me. That almost seems like it's a different plot. It just... Like, it's a subtle layering of uh, time stories. Anyway, she's walking around the room recording it. Don't know why I played that. (laughs) But now... They get to break this down. Remember, the acoustic I, I, energy I love does this. not correspond to any ship's system, nor to any voice communication sent at the time you heard it. Then where did the sound come from? Well, you heard the voices at the same time our localized subspace scan picked up a Decion field distortion. The two may be related. Let's give another listen. I like this because they're figuring out the crime step by step. <laughs> they're kind of really digging their fingers in, you know? Uh, Maurice, do you think uh, this would work on a Miami Vice, you know? Oh, for sure. I mean, you want him dressed a little bit flashier than this. I see uh, I see uh, Data, he'd probably be the, the drug lord, and then uh, Beverly, she would be the captain, you know? And, uh, and uh, instead of, it would be some kind of double cross, for sure. Instead of um, ship controls on this table, would it just be uh, Just cocaine? a pile of cocaine yeah, right on cocaine. that. Okay. Right on the panel, yeah. Maurice, thank you so much for visiting. Uh, happy to help. Happy to help. <laughs> can we isolate the voices? Find out what they're saying. Computer, continuous playback, please. I like that the computer doesn't do it, data does it. There are approximately 1,000 voices overlapping. The voices are those of the Enterprise crew. Our voices. We are the Enterprise crew. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry to call you. Such as Ensign Baker on deck 42. Oh, uh, Data, you don't need to name the entire crew. Oh, all right. We think we may have an explanation for the odd occurrences around here. Commander. This is going to sound pretty wild. Somehow we've entered what seems to be a temporal causality loop. We think we're stuck in a specific fragment in time and that we've been repeating that same fragment over and over again. Is this what's causing our deja vu? Yes, but it's more than that. In deja vu, you only think you're repeating events. We actually are. Our theory is this. Every time the loop begins again, everything resets itself and starts all over. We don't remember anything that happened before, so each time through the loop, we think it's the first. You mean we could have come into this room, sat at this table, and had this conversation a dozen times already? A dozen, a hundred. It's impossible to tell. We could have been trapped here for hours, days, maybe years. If what we're saying is true, those voices I heard might have been echoes from previous loops. It's the same with the phase shift in my visor, after images in time. If you're right about this, how did it happen? How did we get there? I have a hypothesis that may explain that, Captain. I've analyzed the recording Dr. Crusher made. Most of it is quite ordinary. 150 discussions about ship operations, 252 conversations of a personal nature, five couples engaged in romantic encounters. Your point, Mr. Data. There is evidence of some sort of disaster aboard the Enterprise. Um, 
Does uh, Omar have something to say? Yes. Omar's uh, Omar has a lot of comments on this episode too. <laughs> Omar's Omar like, Little in the background. What's happening to Spot? What's Spot doing during this? Severe enough that the captain ordered all hands to abandon ship. I have isolated three segments of this recording that are crucial. A highly localized distortion of the space-time continuum. Collision course impact in 36 seconds. Warf refers to a distortion. If this were a temporal distortion, and if we were close enough to it, it's possible that a large enough explosion might have ruptured the space-time continuum. We collided, exploded, then got caught in this repeating loop of time. If you're right, perhaps we could escape from the loop by avoiding the collision. That's our guess. Perhaps we should reverse course. For all we know, reversing course may be what leads us into the crash. That doesn't make any sense. Uh, why Why would you have reversed course in the first place? It would never have led you into the crash. That is a really good point. It bumps me, but, but I never I never really spotted what the problem is. I guess theoretically, theoretically what could be right about it, it wouldn't have led them into the crash, but it could have been that they reverse and that's what causes them to explode. But why would they reverse in the first time to get caught in the loop that causes the explosion they wouldn't yeah i guess to avoid whatever is in front of them they don't know they don't really know what the problem is yet they know that it's a collision right and they know that the ship blows up i think reversing course again is their right move now if you ask me when data types that three pips into his little armband he probably yes. really should have been talking about this moment. They should have just ignored him in reverse course <laughs> instead of taking his suggestion. A second guess That's a really good point. I have a further thing, yeah. which we don't have to address now, but uh, he's got only a second to type something in. Mm-hmm. Couldn't he have just typed Riker <laughs> instead of leaving it to, to guess? Instead of three? I think maybe... I think he doesn't do that partially because you need clever ways for this to infiltrate the ship systems. And I think the other part is if you type Riker in, what does that tell you about Riker? I think typing the three because in that (laughs) moment you always have that shot (laughs) of him. Riker's the problem. We have to eject Riker into space. (laughs) Yeah, but I think like he does it by the moment. Like what he sees in that moment and I think that the three is short enough uh-huh. so we'll stay on this course until know. we have reason to change it but let's do everything that we can to avoid the collision Captain we might not be able to figure out how to avoid this accident until it's too late and if the loop begins again we'll forget everything we learned this time around what do you suggest if we do find a way to avoid this collision we should try to send that information into the next loop is that possible? We have seen that echoes or after images from previous loops appear as distortions in the Decaon field. We may be able to send a deliberate echo into the next loop. Like a message in a box. So let me ask. Why not just yell, we should have listened to Riker. We should have listened That's to Riker. What, well, yeah, that was one thing I was going to say. Is, is it at the moment that you're going to say, all hands abandon ship, instead say, listen to Riker instead. <laughs> um, but... Uh, uh, but 
I guess my question about this is it certainly didn't bump me in watching it. It's only like when I'm picking it apart. Which is not how you should watch things, everyone. Of course. But it's how we watch Um, this. Does the idea of this explanation, because really if it's a time loop, it's like there should be no mirror image that's or ghost image of, of what happened before or any memory. And so it's this this explanation, if Dekion admission is modulated, oh, that's the later thing. We've seen that echoes or after images from previous loops appear as distortions in the Dekion field. Uh-huh. As a sci-fi fan, is that like legit for you? Or you is that enough for you? It works for me because of Jordy's visor. Uh huh. That's sort of the get out of jail free card for everybody here, because his technology reacts. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. Does it does it make intuitive sense, sci 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 fi wise, to you that it's like there would be some remnant of the previous time? Because that's the only thing that I'm I feel like might be reaching. It's the way into the story, so I don't care, but. That's the only thing that might be reaching. So hang on. Um, travel faster than light. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Federation in the whole series. Of I'm, saying I'm just saying, like, if you're going to start to pick it apart like that, then, you know, it's. Well, it's. There's it's an. In- I guess so that's what I'm saying is there's an intuitive logic to all of it, and you kind of buy it because intuitively it's like. I don't know if all the science adds up, but that intuitively makes sense to me. Yeah, but also like you, the echo thing... And this thing, intuitively felt like not quite there? Or the echo thing works for me because of Beverly Crusher's voices that she's hearing. Why does that convince you? Because that's the echo, right? She's hearing the echo probably, you know, in the in the same point in space... The ship is in the same point in space every time. So she's getting that. She's picking up that echo audibly. And it's not just her. It's a bunch of crew members have reported this voice. She's just the only one that was had the wherewithal to record it. They ground it uh, in a, in an incredibly impressive fashion. Yeah. In as many ways as they can. I guess I was just questioning intuitively on any level does it make sense that yes, if you were caught it in a time bump, loop you would have some remnant of another time bump loop the first time you watched it and enjoyed it as a piece of it, sci-fi yeah uh-huh. therefore intuitively it worked that's fair only upon picking it apart are we like well maybe uh, well i think that it bu- i think it bumped me a little bit but not enough to hear how do we know we'll pick up that word the next time through episode. if the decion emission is modulated correctly it will set up resonances in my positronic subprocessors. I will receive the information on what you would call a subconscious level. Now there's the catch. We have no way of knowing how this information will be perceived by data. It might be like a, a post-hypnotic suggestion. Even with all these uncertainties, we've got to try. Take whatever steps are necessary to send a message. Dismissed. You know, it's possible we've tried this a thousand times and it's never worked. Do you have the feeling that you've done this before? No, I don't. Neither do I. Maybe that's a good sign. Let's test the emitter. I mean, it seems like these that make it crazy to me that these two weren't in Picard. Sure. They seem to have the most in-depth knowledge of Data's systems. They are constantly helping Data, fixing Data, etc. I'd make a call to LaForge and... It seems Crusher. to be the fan reaction from the Hales 
uh, we've gotten that that is the biggest thing is like particularly about the end that uh even as moving as the uh as the picard scene with him is that it's <laughs> it feels like it would have been more geordie um yeah for sure but you're just talking about even just engineering knowledge yeah and that i'm just talking about even like true. cybernetic yeah. experts well you yeah. have the two people who are most familiar with Sung's android types particle accelerators agreed at full power tachyon field active particle flux nominal we're in business I'd like it if, like, Data was walking through the corridor and some crewman was just like, cool watch, Commander. All we need now <laughs> Thank you. is a message. <laughs> the guy know the what's guy happening. The guy just, he has no Senior idea what's happening. To the bridge. <laughs> On our way. We've got to figure out how we handled this before. Back us off, Ensign. Nice and slow. Aye, sir. I like that uh, Jordy took the time to put Data's hair back on. Sure. Captain, the new green thrusters are not responding. The distortion field is fluctuating. All main systems just went down. Power levels are dropping rapidly. There is an energy buildup in the distortion field. We have to get out of here now. Captain, something is emerging. Why? I can't tell. Shields up. Evasive maneuvers. Shields inoperative. The helm's not responding. Vessel is on a collision course. Impact in 36 seconds. Hail them. No response. Is it the same ship as the Reliant, by the way? Because it also this really gave me Wrath of Khan vibes with it uh, coming It's out a of the very clouds. similar Reliant design, yes. It's the Reliant, yeah. It's got a uh, saucer section with two things on the hull. Soyuz class is a little different. It's got those, uh, you see the uh, buildup of decks on top of the saucer? Uh-huh. And then it's got that cannon, that phaser cannon on the back. Suggestions? Decompress main shuttle bay. The explosive reaction may Ooh, blow us out of the way. Cannon. Cool. Captain, I suggest we use the tractor beam to alter the other ship's trajectory. Make it so, Mr. Wolf. Engaging tractor beam. really feels like they if they it looks like if they didn't engage the tractor beam it wouldn't have hit them at all <laughs> they just did nothing <laughs> Worf pulled it in yeah. <laughs> engaging tractor beam uh, ship blows up oh let's look at that moment real quick with the data I like that shutdown is unsuccessful. We are losing antimatter containment. We've got to eject the core. Injection systems are offline. Core breach is imminent. All hands abandon the ship. Repeat. All hands abandon. Core breach is imminent, and then he just goes for it. I love it. Yep. Really, really, really like this. Sometimes I wonder if he's stacking the deck. So good. I assure you, Commander, the cards are sufficiently randomized. I hope so. Something wrong, Mr. Ward. I am experiencing Nippa. The feeling I've done this before. Yeah. Last Tuesday night. That is not what I mean. I've been having the same feeling. Wait. 
An eight. Pa seems a little silly. <laughs> an ace, a queen, and a four. Deal the cards, David. Wrong, 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 three. and All wrong. threes. Huh. I guess nothing's wrong. All right, let's keep playing. I was also sure. Finish dealing the hand. But we haven't bet. <laughs> Look at this. We've all got three of a kind. First, we get a three, and then three of a kind. Ogawa to Dr. Crusher. Go ahead. Commander LaForge needs you in sickbay. I'm on my way. I don't know if you know this. So this, the hearing the voices and Jordy seeing the echo makes sense to me. Why do they all feel deja vu? Be- because they've experienced the time loop a bunch of times. But aren't they the same people in the next loop? This is why I question it. Aren't they the same people? What do you mean? They're going back in time. I think ex- what's happening is they're repeating a larger portion of time than the Bozeman was. I think their loop begins and ends in a much longer period of time. Maybe it's a day and a half or something like that. Uh-huh. So I think they're, they're experiencing more and they're feeling like they've done it before. All right. You have all the symptoms of an inner ear infection. That would explain the headaches, dizziness. But I don't see any physical... Go. What? What is it? Jordy, have you ever had these symptoms before? On an optical diagnostic. Or an ear infection? I have a hunch. Now hold still. This pulse may be a little bright. Hello. I love that they, as they're going back in, and this could have so easily been boring. They're just repeating the things we already know, but it's so fascinating to see the dissection of the moments that we that were referred to before, but we didn't see. Yeah. You know, Picard reading the book and then being weirded out and her doing this examination. It's just satisfying. <laughs> it's got a weird, weird couch sit. Picard does seems sort Look, of uncharacteristic think, uh, for him. That couch really feels only comfortable two ways, and that's that's one of them. <laughs> I don't think he would be sitting with his legs crossed. His dizziness is being caused by a phase shift in his visual. They don't take the opportunity to tell receptors. us what the book is. It's causing him to see things that aren't there. They're like blurry after images. I ran a scan to see if I could detect what he was seeing. I picked up minutes. It is weird that he's in this uniform in this scene, and in the other scene when he comes to sickbay, he's in his regular uniform. I I never thought about it, but now that we're talking about it, does that suggest that this jacket is like, this is a more serious situation. I better put on my jacket. I think it's a, this is a, Casual. I've been more. He's. He's. I feel like he's caught off guard more. So he left the jacket on instead of putting on his regular uniform. But 
It's this a, one, he would be more caught jacket. off guard, wouldn't he? What? Wouldn't this version he be more caught off guard than the previous? Oh, the previous version he was yes. more caught off guard. No, this is the version he's more caught off guard, I think. But didn't he come into sickbay without the jacket the previous time? He came in in his regular uniform, which I oh, think is... Oh, I see. Okay. Which is like a weird thing of like, oh, I'll go down there. Business as usual. See? Yeah. I'll change. I'll change on my way down. But here, he's like, I'm not changing. Distortions in the surrounding I'm tired of this book. Field. His visor seems to be trans... That's fair. Really, I think the script supervisor and wardrobe department fucked up. individual impulses. Which lends credence to the fact that, like, if they weren't shooting this all in one day, there'd be no reason for that uniform change, that costume change. I don't know if I agree. Why would the costume change have happened there and not anywhere else? I kind of think your logic adds up. When he's in the uniform, he's more on duty. When when Beverly goes to see him... So then you buy that in the previous... his previous walk down to sick bay, he was like, I better put on my uniform and head down. Yes. Okay. And in this one, it's more of a serious situation, so he's just going to throw on the thing. Yeah. Could be a malfunction in the ship's right. warp field generator. I'll check it out. While you're at it, run a localized subspace scan to look for anything unusual. Aye, sir. Keep me advised, Doctor. Lateral sensors online. Subspace scanners, active. Data, would you run a level two diagnostic on the warp subsystems? All threes? That can't be right. I have encountered the numeral three an inordinate number of times over the last two hours. We have a Deckion field fluctuation on deck nine, section 28. Crusher to Commander LaForge. LaForge. That's uh, that's her quarters, right? Cheer. I, I, I think just that's heard what like voices in my room, but there's no one here. Sensors just picked up something strange too. We're checking it out. I'm on my way down. Doctor Crusher, are you all right? I'm fine. I, have I just can't seem to not break this glass. <laughs> Look at this overhead shot, huh? They finally had to clear those marks. So great. Love it. Impact in 36 seconds. I guess. Perhaps we should reverse course. For all we know, reversing course might be what leads us to the crash. We can't afford to start second-guessing ourselves. We should stay on this course until we have reason to change it. But in the meantime, I think we should do what we can to avoid a collision. Captain. We've been seeing the number three all over the ship. On consoles, in a poker game. To date, we have encountered 2,085 conspicuous examples of the number three. All of these threes can't be coming up by accident. Maybe someone's trying to tell us something. We came to the same conclusion, so we ran a ship-wide diagnostic. The The other thing I thought, too, is like, they should have set data up to send this message again. What do you mean? Because... Th- oh, they don't know if they succeeded? Yes. The only unusual thing That's a really valid was point. a Deckion field module. Um, FYI, uh, Beverly's, uh, cr- uh, Beverly's quarters are Deck 8, room 2133. Oh. ...in data's Damn. positronic subprocessors. What could be causing it? 
I don't know, but if I wanted to send information from one loop into the next, I might use a method like a Dekiana mission. You think we sent ourselves a message? It would make sense. Maybe we are trying to tell ourselves something. If that were true, what could three indicate? Maybe we should run a level three diagnostic on all key systems. That's a good idea. I'll have the computer run a pattern matching algorithm on the number three. Bridge. Should we watch Total Recall with a three boob lady? Yes. <laughs> Let's do that. Maybe we Let's should eat three meals for dinner. Remember the three boob lady in Total Recall? I do. Sure. Of course. Andy's so not having any of this. <laughs> Andy, it's frozen. Your screen is frozen. We're back in. Here we go. Mr. Captain Picard. Go ahead. We're getting unusual readings 20,000 kilometers off the starboard bow. On our way. Report. Sensors didn't detect the phenomenon until we were almost on top of it, Captain. It is a highly localized distortion of the space-time continuum. On screen. How do you think we handled this before? Back us off, Ensign. Nice and slow. Aye, sir. Captain, maneuver. Nice subtle change in performance there from Patrick Stewart. Yeah. More pensive back Brain us thrusters off. are not responding. The distortion field is fluctuating. All main systems just went down. Power levels are dropping rapidly. There's an energy buildup in the distortion field. We have to get out of here now. Captain. Something is emerging. Shields up. Evasive maneuvers. Shields inoperative. The helm's not responding. The vessel is on a collision course. Impact in 36 seconds. Hail them. No response. Suggestions? Decompress main shuttle bay. The explosive reaction may kick us out of the way. Captain, I suggest we use the tractor beam to alter the other ship's trajectory. Make it so, Mr. Wolf. Engaging tractor beam. The tractor beam will not be successful. I am decompressing the main shuttle bay. clear of the distortion Andy I was recording uh, Matt's uh, <laughs> Matt's screen because he's holding his cigarette just below it so it looks like oh, no, that's everything incense. is lighting on fire <laughs> that's incense. really cool looking <laughs> oh it's incense yeah oh interesting sandalwood gotcha oh nice maybe I'll get some of that data what happened at the last moment, I speculated that three might refer to the number of rank insignia on Commander Riker's uniform. That indicated to me that his suggestion might be the correct course of action. Data, you must have picked up a message we sent from the last loop and stacked the deck in the poker game without realizing it. That is possible. I may also have inadvertently been responsible for the unexplained occurrences of the number three. Mr. Wolf, and red alert. I should be removed from duty. I try to access a Federation <laughs> I'm compromised. Let's see if we can find out how long we've been in this causality loop. 
We've been in it for 42 minutes, sir. <laughs> Time base confirms exactly our chronometers are off minutes. by 17.4 days. It's a great reaction. He sent them, Mr. Data. Aye, sir. Captain, we're being hailed by the other vessel. Computer ID. Oh, now they want to oh, talk. Yeah. Hey, how come you guys weren't getting out of our way? <laughs> well, I, you, our way. Hey. Uh, <laughs> I wish they went, D-doy. like it was a ship stolen by a bunch of packlids, and that's why they never answered or figured out what the fuck they were doing. We look for things that can't break. We look for things, things to make us go and go and go and go. We don't notice anything is wrong. <sighs> Excuse me. Guys, a big moment here that I feel we should all just enjoy. And it's my favorite uniform with my favorite television star, Mr. Kelsey Grammer. Such a such a joy. So here we go. Hail the on screen. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling, toss salads and scrambled eggs. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe, but I got you pegged. But I don't know what to do with those toss salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. Scrambled eggs all over my face. What is a boy to do? Now let me see you. Um, by the way, when I sold yeah. my Volvo, I accidentally left the CD in the car and <laughs> said to them, by, by all means, it's I yours. I would love to be the Enjoy person who like, turns it on and is just like, who the fuck had this car before me? What kind of nerd? <laughs> oh, this kind of nerd. It's amazing. Interesting that you chose the, uh, the extra acapella version well that's the version on the soundtrack you know i see the acapella 200th episode version but here we go hey baby i hear the blues are calling toss salads and scrambled eggs quite stylish and maybe i seem a bit confused yeah maybe but i got you pegged (laughs) but i don't know what to do with those (laughs) toss salads and scrambled eggs they're calling again all over my face. What is a boy to do? Frazier has left the building. You know, it's interesting. The thing about that theme song is that theme only played at the end of the show. Is that true? Yeah. Oh, wow. And we all oh, know yeah. it. It's wild. Um, out of curiosity, is it part of regular Frazier canon that he can sing and play like that? Or is that just in the theme song? Oh, Fraser loves the sound of his voice. Uh, and when they and when they need piano playing, it's Niles that handles that. I see. <laughs> Open a channel. This is Captain Morgan Bateson of the Federation Starship Bozeman. Can we render assistance? I'm Captain Jean-Luc Picard of the Federation Starship Enterprise. We were just going to ask you the same thing. Captain Picard, your vessel... It's not familiar to us. Captain, have you any idea what has just happened? 
Our sensors detected a temporal distortion. Then your ship appeared. We nearly hit you. Enterprise has been caught up in a temporal causality loop. And I suspect that something similar may have happened to you. You must be mistaken. We left Starbase only three weeks ago. Oh, Captain. Boy. <laughs> do you know what year this is? Of course I do. It's 2278. He does that with a lot of confidence based on the question. <laughs> well, I mean, shouldn't you answer it? It's a little bit it's a little bit uh, pig-headed. Whoa, 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 asks whoa, you, whoa, 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 whoa. Are you criticizing Kelsey Grammer's acting? <laughs> I mean, maybe it's written in the script. I'd be curious to see. But you have it in front uh, of you. I guess if he says, of course I do, then he read the line right. Yeah. I guess I'm questioning whether the line should have been, of course I do. It should have just been, <laughs> right, isn't it right. this date? <laughs> Perhaps you should beam aboard our ship. There's something we need to discuss. Why is everyone wearing such a weird uniform? Also, he's not like, wait. Isn't that Kirk's ship, the Enterprise? <laughs> um, the USS Bozeman, named after Bozeman, Montana, home of Zephyrin Cochran's first warp flight and home of Brannon Braga. What are you looking at? Because I'm on memory beta, finally. Oh, I'm looking at nothing. I'm playing oh. the ships next to each other and staring at them longingly. They uh, they attempted. These are spoilers for for uh, memory beta non canon. If you uh, non canon spoilers ahead. Uh, several crew members, including the Bozeman's first officer, Lieutenant Parvana Whitcomb, that must have been the lady standing in the background. Yep. Uh, took the ship and attempted to steal the Kyria artifacts so they could travel back in time to their own time. However, their efforts were thwarted by the Department of Temporal Investigations. Mm-hmm. Um, and then by 2371, the Bozeman had been assigned to scientific duty. That year, the ship was forced to make a course correction due to altered gravitational forces in the sector caused by the destruction of the Amagosa, of the, the, uh, the, hang on, in, uh, uh, Viridian 3? Uh, in Star Trek Generations, correct. <laughs> of course, yeah. Uh-huh. Um... Uh, Admiral Alina Nakayev diverted the Bozeman along with sister ships Farragut and Columbia to the Viridian system to assist the Enterprise, arriving too late. Um, but the Bozeman instead helped to evacuate uh, survivors to the now destroyed Enterprise D from the planet. Um, soon afterwards, the Bozeman transported Data and Jordy LaFord. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> uh, to and from the Trilex in a the novel The Return. And uh, in 2372, the Bozeman was assigned to the Department of Temporal Investigations and took part in an investigation in the disappearance of the Time Perceptor on Delta Four. Oh, that must be... Oh, is that the is that relate to Year of Hell, the Voyager two-parter? Oh, maybe. If so, i got to read that one. Oh, wait. Is Year of Hell the future? Year, oh, no, that's no. Voyager, right? Year of Hell is Voyager when they're stuck in that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love it. That's a great episode. Great two-parter. So good. Um, going through Voyager. You hear that, Garrett Wang? Good job. <laughs> good job, Garrett Wang. Um, and uh, anyway, more more shit. I was looking to see if they go back. Andy, to the past, I feel like I you've got your it. whole day planned ahead now. You're a little busy. <laughs> I gotta read all these novels. You're busy from four to five, but at five fifteen p.m., if you're not cracking open an ebook, 
I don't know what's wrong with you. Uh, all right, everybody. <laughs> that was cause and effect. And that means it is now time for everybody's favorite something. It's not really. It's a segment, guys. Here we go. Please see the end of the Facebook section. Four star drag the next Whoops. competition. I thought I should bring the It's classic Andy. <laughs> I got in charge. You can't blame me now. Well, it's the NBC. I think you're going to play the Frasier the theme again. NBC only met and Andy know who it's going to be. Will it be Data, Riker, Troy, or Dr. Crusher? If you don't like who they pick, just remember that this podcast is free. Cool. Uh... Um. It really feels like it's Crusher again. It feels like it's got to be Crusher. The only argument against it is that sort of it's Data's abilities and everything, and he's the one that makes the decision at the end to do yeah, the three. Yeah, but without Crusher, Data doesn't even know to get a cool Apple Watch on his wrist. I totally agree. I think it's Crusher all the way. This, this is the second week in a row. Second week in a row for we Dr. Crusher, season five. Crusher, you're on fire. Good job. Is it possible that Crusher is crushing it? I you know, hate, it's possible hate, that maybe oh, she's no. just finally. Andy, did your did your video freeze again? I'm sorry. Did it? That, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Oh <laughs> just man, that wasn't funny. So oh, that's what I I'll see. say now. <laughs> are you leaving that in? That there, there are. Uh... Oh, the the tail. Yeah, I'll leave in like like 20 seconds of it, so they know what happened when Andy's uh, connection failed and okay. we got it back. Um, just because it's very funny that you didn't react at all and. It was a terrible joke. I don't really have it thought out, so I don't know if it's a theory, but I have, but I have another theory. Let's hear it. Do you don't want to play the end? <laughs> oh, I'm so you play sorry. It, you can play it out. Play no, the out. No, you don't have to play the end. Look. Basically, it's um, it's uh. So as as everyone knows, there's the theory of Wesley being evil and uh, Doctor Crusher uh not really being a a doctor doesn't really know how to be a doctor that that Wesley kind of engineered her her way through the uh through the uh the uh starfleet medical channels um but maybe there's an adjustment here which is maybe he was sapping her intelligence with some devious technology Mm. and this is when she's finally coming out of it and her full abilities as a doctor are coming into play interesting because he's gone he's uh, he's finally off the ship so his his holding her intelligence back is finally off the ship worn until off. next week. Andy's theories are very interesting because he's really smart. Is that true? <laughs> is he coming back next week? Yeah, next week's a big Wesley episode. Love oh my it. goodness. Well, then we'll see how she does if she, if she goes back to being a bad doctor. Then my I theory really, really will hold up. Really like next week's episode, by the way. <laughs> also, this is a nice little run, as I've said before that we're in. Yeah. Uh, all right. So that means now that we've said that, we must also rate it on How a scale of eight. Well, I love it. To nine, done. I enjoy this episode quite a bit. Out love of curiosity, time travel. Love why? Time why not higher? Not that nine is an incredibly high rating. Nine's very high. Uh, I mean, it pumps, it moves, it sings, but it is a little repetitive, which is the nature of time loops. So I don't know that anything where I have to watch the same scene play out slightly differently 14 times will ever be higher than a nine. It's like a Rashomon tale brought to us by time. 
I don't know if this is a this is a crazy thing I'm about to say, but I think uh, you know. Granted, I had my my tiny uh, question about the the pretense of uh, them remembering stuff, but mm-hmm. it's really not even on the radar. And otherwise, I kind of feel like it's a perfect episode. So I'm kind of I'm kind of hard pressed to not give this a ten. I think you're. I feel absolutely... like it's just the best sci-fi. I feel like it's handled so well on every level: the directing, the acting, the progression of the story. It moves. You're following everything. Like you follow everything they do. It's very. It's usually in sci-fi plots. They kind of I think depend on us kind of being like I kind of get what they're doing. But like I'm saying, that moment at the end when. When Data is doing like, oh, we this and then this and then, all right, so this is the moment I had to do it. It's just all so well plotted. I give this a 10. Ugh, Andy, it makes me happy that you have given it a 10. And I like I when you it... find some Star Trek to be great sci-fi. It's just magnificent. That's how many Andys this episode got. All right, first duty trailer, everybody. Here we go. Uh, Andy and I will sync up and watch it at the same exact time. I will put it in the link in the chat window for him. And Henry is out there crying. Probably hates the fact that it's sunny and warm out there. And I understand. I should go be a father shortly. But right now we've got more pressing matters, which is the trailer for a 30-year-old episode of Star Trek. Well, that's... uh, He's calling from the house, huh? That's a... No, that's... He's outside my office. Oh, I see. Playing in a pen and by playing i mean seemingly not enjoying himself uh did you get the link uh, first duty trailer okay uh, all right ready and, when you are uh, we'll hit play in three two one play. wesley stands trial for a fatal air crash what is your explanation mr crusher i have none and finds himself in a desperate cover-up don't try and protect me his starfleet career is going down in flames either you come forward and tell admiral brand what really took place or i will how far will he go to hide the truth there's no evidence so there's no case i can't call captain picard a liar (gasps) next time on star trek the next generation That's in Paris. What's that's in Paris doing there? <laughs> that's Ensign Locarno, who is essentially the same exact character as Ensign Paris. Oh, that's right. He appeared as a different character. Right. So, imagine. You know, it'll be nice. You'll get this. You'll get this uh, feeling of uh, of of Paris's character as Locarno, and then you'll take it over to Voyager, and you'll correctly be informed. Wow, uh, Duncan McNeil. Great this job, has been everybody. a really Voyager-tinged episode. It sure is, and I think that's the beauty of time travel. What? doesn't make any <laughs> sense. All right, everybody. Uh, you've been wonderful. Uh, follow us on uh, Patreon, patreon.com forward slash uh, Star Trek TNC. Star Trek TNC. And uh, we'll see you on the interwebs. In the meantime, we, Andy and I are going to GTFO, and if you want to contact us, this message that's about to play will tell you all about it. Disengage. I don't even think I have it in here. Oh, yeah, I do. Here we go. Follow Star Trek The Next Conversation on social media. You can find them on Instagram and Twitter at Star Trek TNC. On Facebook, search for Star Trek TNC and join the face group. Send comments, questions, prime correctives, and anything else to sttncpod at gmail.com. And if you'd like to leave a voice hail, call 816-TREK-TNC. 
That's 816-873-5862. For callers outside of the United States, use country code PLUS1. And don't worry, no one answers the phone. It's only for messages. If you've got something to mail to Matt or Andy, send it to Andrew Secunda, P.O. Box 46898, Los Angeles, California, 90046. And please send an email to let them know that something is coming. Finally, to support the podcast and get even more content, visit patreon.com forward slash Star Trek TNC. Be a lieutenant for only $5 per month or join the President Circle for $17.01 per month.